From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. As both sides of Parliament brace for tomorrow's by-election in Eden Monero, it's been suggested that the timing of Scott Morrison's $270 billion defence announcement was as much about votes as the strategic future. Today, Paul Bongiorno on what's likely to happen in the all-in race. Paul, what are the issues that are dominating this week in politics? Well, Ruby, there are two, really. There's the impending end of the JobKeeper payment and the cliff that that would mean for the economy if it was suddenly stopped. And there's the major defence announcement um, from Scott Morrison. Paul Bongiorno is a political columnist for the Saturday paper. But both these issues are being framed, at least for now, around tomorrow's Eden Monero by-election which has been set up as a big test to see whether Scott Morrison's record approval ratings, based on his handling of the pandemic, translate into votes for the Liberal Party. And in what way does the by-election bring these two things, which seem quite disparate, together? Well, I think uh, job keepers are obvious. Uh, Employment has crashed and businesses are teetering everywhere, but particularly in this heavily dependent tourism electorate, Uh, But the defence announcement is a bit more interesting. Andrew Wilkie actually made the point. Well, I think most people were surprised by the announcement. It seemed to come out of the blue, uh, and it was curious. He, of course, is a former soldier and intelligence analyst, and he's now an independent MP. My my first reaction was, uh, that that is really excessive. Um, You know, we don't need to be spending that sort of money, particularly at this point in time when there are so many other pressing needs uh, for taxpayers' money being spent, you know, everything from dealing with climate change. Wilkie said the spending announcement was excessive in his view and came at a suspicious time. Now, let's not forget the Eden Monero uh, electorate includes uh, the headquarters of the Joint Operation Command, a a very significant defence installation. When you consider that the Eden Monero by-election could go down to the wire, it could swing on mere dozens or hundreds of votes. Numerous defence personnel live in the seat. And as Wilkie said, they'll be delighted with the huge spend Morrison is committing to, even though most of it doesn't happen for another five years. Uh, This sort of cash splash, pandering to the defence community who live in Eden Monero, uh, I I think it's potentially got a political spin-off and I think it's not unrelated to the timing of the announcement. Right, so what is actually in the announcement, Paul? What is Morrison promising? So the Prime Minister announced $270 billion over the next 10 years on a massive sci-fi arms build-up of things like hypersonic missiles and cutting-edge weaponry. Australia will invest in longer-range strike weapons, cyber capabilities and area denial. As mentioned, we're expanding our plans to acquire long-range maritime and land strike capabilities and to invest in more highly integrated sensors and weapons. We will increase the Australian Den for Defence... This was to combat the new menace presented by our biggest trading partner and hitherto economic saviour, China. And he didn't balk from mentioning it in the speech. 
Tensions over territorial claims are rising across the Indo-Pacific region, as we have seen recently on the disputed border between India and China, in the South China Sea, in the East China Sea. The risk of On closer inspection, much of this is a repackaging with a small boost on the 2016 uh, announcements uh, called the Integrated Investment Plan. Now, many of the projects are not scheduled to commence until the mid-2020s, and already some that were announced with that Integrated Investment Plan four years ago, well, they've been delayed. And you know, uh, Ruby, this more bellicose vision encompasses three general elections and ties Australia into an increasingly isolationist and problematic United States. Opposition leader Anthony Albanese supported the direction of Morrison's defence posture, especially its regional focus and the bolstering of our military capability. Uh, we are certainly supportive of the direction that says we need to concentrate more on our region, and that's consistent with the... He, like Bill Shorten before him, is determined not to be wedged on defence and national security. Uh, but as I was saying, with the curious timing of this announcement of funds and the by-election tomorrow, no doubt the Labor leader is also thinking of the residents, especially the ones that wear khaki, in Eden Monero. We'll be back in a moment. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For longtime editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for. Please, <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very if that's... pro therapy. On yeah, yeah, if that's no, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Paul, we're talking about the Eden Monero by-election in the context of the major policy concerns this week. One is defence and the other is JobKeeper. Can you tell me more about where Morrison is with JobKeeper? Well, Ruby, to get some uh, hard-edged perspective, according to Labor, there are 8,000 businesses in Eden Monero that are propped up by JobKeeper and they employ 18,000 people. Now, while Labor's being outspent on advertising in the seat, particularly on commercial television, it is still running hard with one particular message. If you think small businesses need more support and can't afford to lose JobKeeper just yet, the Eden Monero by-election is your chance to tell the Liberals that. If you think it's not OK... The so the Labor Party is going straight for the government's throat on this issue. Morrison really doesn't want to extend JobKeeper. This week he told shock jock Ray Headley the job subsidy was costing $10 billion a month. Well, we're just on JobKeeper, so not taking into account the old Newstart payment. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's got a cash burn of over $10 billion a month. $10 um, and billion a month? A month. 
So, and, you know, the budget... Uh, and he lamented the fact that the latest budget deficit estimates, that is, till the end of May, uh, were already at $60 billion. And so it obviously, we said at the time, it was temporary. It, it can't be sustained forever at that level. Um, but equally, we've got to look at what... But, um, as Hadley noted, the Prime Minister did leave the door slightly ajar by saying he would have a look at the situation in September. You know, we've got to get this right, Ray. I, mean, I know people want to know what's going to happen at the end of September. We gave ourselves six months, not three months, mm. um, with this program, which means when we make the next decision about the next phase, and there will be a next phase of this, right. that we get it right. Um, and, uh, you know, rushed... Paul, hasn't the government already reviewed the program? Uh, yeah, it has. The Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, received his department's review of the program and its recommendations five days ago. Uh, he's sitting on them, obviously, until after the by-election. Shadow Treasurer Jim Chalmers says the only reason he's doing this is because he's concerned about a voter backlash. It dawned on them that the... Uh, the even Monero by-elections, not to the first weekend of uh, July, and so now they've pushed it back. So a lot of businesses which were hanging... The argument goes, if there was not disappointing news in it, the government would have happily released it. So if there was disappointing news, what would that be? Well, the most disappointing news would be that the JobKeeper wage subsidy ended completely. Uh, The next disappointing news would be uh, that um, it would be nowhere as generous, and maybe it would be too restrictive. That is, a number of categories of employees and employers could miss out completely and then have to fall back on an unemployment payment. And already we know the government is going to uh, significantly cut the job seeker unemployment benefit. So the the bad news, if you like, cascades down. Have we had any updates on the program? Well, we did get some analysis this week, and it was pretty sobering. The Grattan Institute joined Deloitte Access Economics in arguing more previously unthinkable spending is needed if Australia is to avoid a longer and deeper recession, one that would inflict economic pain on hundreds of thousands of Australians. The analysis was released last Sunday... And it said that if unemployment is to be brought below 5% in two years' time, the economy needed an extra cash injection of $70 to $90 billion on top of the $160 billion already spent. There are three federal budgets between now and that next federal election, and all of them will demand tough, very tough decisions. Australia's longest-serving treasurer, Peter Costello, chipped in this week. He told ABC Radio that it was very difficult to end stimulus programs. Fran, in my experience, it's easier to turn on stimulus than to turn it off. The last time we, we turned on stimulus was in 2009 under the Rudd government. We never really turned it off uh, before we got into this pandemic. So The truth is, though, Costello himself didn't have to turn off much for most of his time in government. His last years were marked by big spending that locked in future governments to deficits when the revenue he was collecting collapsed. So how do you think tomorrow will go? What's likely to happen in the by-election? Ruby, this seat has a kind of mystic status. Unfailingly, the voters of Eden Monero have picked the mood of the nation at every federal election since World War II. Except, of course, when everything went strange in 2016 and 2019, when Labor's Mike Kelly took it, but Labor still remained in opposition. 
Still, the seat on Saturday is an important weather vane of the national mood at the moment. It's a sprawling, diverse electorate that runs from the suburbs of Canberra down the Hume Highway to the Victorian border and all the way back up the coast. It, like the rest of the country, has been hit by the pandemic with burgeoning unemployment, but it was also particularly devastated by the catastrophic bushfires and before that the drought. So it's no surprise Labor's been campaigning hard on the need for more serious climate change action. Despite that, the Liberals still have a strong chance of winning it back. Morrison's riding high, they've pumped a lot of money into the campaign and leveraged their incumbency with big announcements. But look, it will be tight, and like all by-elections, will change the political narrative in surprising ways after Saturday. These by-elections always do. Who has the most to lose here, Paul? Is it Albanese as a, a sort of first test of his leadership or, or Morrison who, who needs the vote of confidence at this time? Look, I suspect it's line ball. There is no doubt if, uh, if Labor loses a by-election to an incumbent government for the first time in 100 years, there will be questions and rumblings over Anthony Albanese's ability to be a vote magnet. But on the other hand, if the Liberals lose then the high riding of the Prime Minister in the polls will show that it doesn't necessarily mean that voters are all that enamoured of the Liberal Party itself. Paul, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Ruby. It's exciting, isn't it? Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Also in the news, Australia is set to offer safe haven visas to Hong Kong residents after China's decision to instate a new national security law. The law, considered a bid to suppress dissent in Hong Kong, allows for the penalty of life imprisonment for the crimes of subversion, terrorism and collusion with foreign forces. Since it was imposed, there have been a wave of protests and arrests in Hong Kong, with police firing tear gas and using pepper spray and water cannons. Speaking yesterday, Scott Morrison said that Australia was prepared to step up and provide support for residents of Hong Kong, although his cabinet was yet to finalise the details of the visas being offered. It comes after the British Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, said he would offer eligible people in Hong Kong a path to citizenship in the UK. And another 77 people in Victoria have been diagnosed with coronavirus, with the state recording its single biggest increase in community transmission to date. Victoria has now launched an official inquiry into the state's hotel quarantine system, looking at the actions of government, hotels, contractors, security and food suppliers. 7am is a daily show from The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. It's produced by Ruby Schwartz, Atticus Basto and Michelle Macklem. Elle Marsh is our features and field producer in a position that's supported by the Judith Nielsen Institute for Journalism and Ideas. Brian Compo mixes the show. Our editor is Osman Faruqi. Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. 
Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. New episodes of 7am are released every weekday morning. You can subscribe in your favourite podcast app to make sure that you don't miss out. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you Monday. No one sounds good next to Paul Bongiorno because he sounds so good. It'll be Paul and the village idiot on the other phone.